talk to you about the data lies and truths. Uh, these are the lies that perhaps the database industry has been telling for decades. Um, but before I do, uh, I wanted to just briefly introduce Starburst. If there's anybody in the audience that is new to who we are and what we do, uh, I thought I'd give you a really quick uh, overview before we dive in and perhaps even clear up some misconceptions uh, about Starburst itself. Uh, one of those misconceptions is a lot of people think about us as a federation engine, and that is true that we can, we can federate queries. Uh, it is something that makes us unique and really differentiates us from others in the market. Uh, but the truth is, for those who are building a data lake or more of a lake house model, that's always been by far, by volume, our biggest use case. And uh, you can see here, we collect a lot of interesting telemetry about how our product is used. And because we're connected to so many different data sources, we can see what are the most popular connectors. And we have nearly 50 different connectors. So this is a very long list and a very long tail that you don't even see on this chart. But these are the top 10, and the Great Lakes connector is our connector for all of the different variations of a data lake, whether that is Hadoop or S3 or Azure Data Lake, Google Cloud Storage, Object Storage on-prem, uh, you know, supporting Iceberg and Hootie and Delta Lake and a variety of different uh, file formats. Uh, and you can see by more than 100x or roughly 100x, it's, it's the most popular connector in use today. So I uh, just wanted to remind the audience that if you're trying to build a lake house, uh, that's what we've been doing really since the beginning when my co-founders created the technology at Facebook and ran this on one of the largest data lakes in history. The other big misconception is a lot of people think about us as purely the Trino company, and that is, again, also uh, very core to who we are. There's no doubt about that. Uh, we are the leading contributors to the open source project, and Trino itself is a fast, distributed, ANSI SQL processing engine, and that 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 is a game changer uh, by itself. But Starburst it's, uh, as a product, as a platform, is actually quite a bit more than that. Uh, in particular, we include enterprise-grade governance, access controls, very fine-grained, row-level, column-level data masking, uh, query auditing, uh, working with some of the most regulated industries in the world uh, and providing that level of security. And we also set you up to do things that you've never been able to maybe do before with the traditional data warehouse model. Uh, in particular, you can actually discover uh, the data that you have um, before even moving it. Uh, and we've just launched some new features in our Galaxy product that allow you to explore all the different catalogs that you have, perform schema discovery, and do something called global search, which uh, Allison will touch on in uh, the next session after this as she goes into our product vision. Secondly, you can then optimize where your data is stored. And the reason I specifically like to talk about optimization is because the old model has always been about moving the data first, and then you can do things with it. And, and really, with Starburst, you can discover your data, you know, look at your data, decide what you want to do with your data, even query your data before you even move it. And moving it then becomes an optimization decision, not a prerequisite uh, to doing analytics. And when I say optimization, what I mean is you can choose the right storage platform for you to optimize for your performance or cost requirements. And that's, that's really turning the data warehousing model inside out. Uh, you know, third, we help onboard the data. You know, one of the most popular emerging use cases is leveraging DBT to create a transformation that then gets executed by Trino. Uh, and uh, we also just added support for the Python ecosystem. 
uh, and you'll learn uh, more about both of these uh, later in other sessions. Uh, and then lastly, about consumption. You know, at the end of the day, consumption is where the magic happens. That is the business value that you or your teams are deriving from the data that you have. And we've always wanted to support all of the different uh, BI tools and visualization tools that exist out there. Uh, and in particular, have made a lot of investments in this concept of data products. And I certainly encourage you to listen to some of the later sessions around data products and how we ultimately are able to transform, curate, and share these gold standard data sets you know, within minutes to your organization. And these are not just tables in a database, of course. They can actually span multiple databases, which is what makes Starburst data products so interesting. So you'll learn a lot more about that uh, later on. Uh, and with that, I'm, oh, actually one more thing. We also work across every possible industry and you can see some great examples of uh, customers that we work with in financial services, consumer, healthcare, technology, uh, and telecommunications. So with that, we're gonna get back to the show and we're gonna talk about the five data lies. Uh, of course, we've all heard that old adage that data doesn't lie, right? Data is supposed to be objective and unbiased and, and be strictly the facts. Uh, but of course, there have been some lies that maybe the, the industry has been uh, selling for a number of decades. And we're going to go through uh, five data lies, uh, lies that waste time and money. And I think just to, to frame this up, to sort of visualize the, the true cost of, of some of this, um, uh, you know, these make, very, these make database companies very, very rich. This you know, is Frank Slootman's yacht of Snowflake. And I think my question for you in the audience is, where is your yacht? Uh, what have we been doing to ultimately drive business value for you uh, without enriching ourselves by trapping all of your data? And we really think that data lock-in is ultimately the worst kind of vendor lock-in. The impact of falling for the lies that we tell are that you, know, you waste time. You have tremendous delays to time to insight because of all the pipelines that you need to build and maintain. They're brittle, they, they need to be updated and fixed uh, to ultimately get your data you know, together to be able to analyze it. Uh, these lies increase the complexity uh, of what you're trying to do. They require continuous data movement, management of multiple copies, understanding which is the freshest data set, which is the most accurate data set. They increase your costs um, by ultimately you know, creating a lot of extra labor. In fact, a lot of the human labor in data is actually focused on those ETL processes that, that, that you do to get the data even ready before you can analyze it. And ultimately, they can drive inaccurate and bad decisions, which can be really dangerous for your business, particularly in the world that we operate in, to, uh, in today, which is always changing and always dynamic. And so you need to be able to adapt to that changing world. So here's how we're gonna do this. We're gonna expose each data lie one at a time. We're gonna share the data truth that accompanies that lie. And we'll share how Starburst can help with partners from our customer's point of view. So lie number one, you probably expected this one. You need to centralize your data. Uh, the idea you know, that you have to bring all of your data together into one central database is a lie that we've been telling really since the beginning of the database itself. Why is it a lie? Well, first and foremost, it's slower than it looks. You know, we like to think about query response times, but there's a lot of time involved in getting the data ready and getting it into one single place before you can even query it. Secondly, it limits your view to what is in that enterprise data warehouse at that particular moment in time, which is never the complete truth about your business. Third, it creates tremendous proprietary lock-in as you've now stored all of your data in these 
proprietary formats that can't be accessed by anything else. And if that license gets turned off, well, access to your own data is now turned off as well. And of course, it becomes very expensive, hence the yachts that we talked about earlier. On top of that, it's just fundamentally impossible. Uh, I think one of the things that struck me when I uh, joined Teradata a number of years ago, Teradata acquired my first startup back in 2014, and I spent a few years there, was that despite being the industry leader in data warehousing and having built a tremendous database system, you know, not one of their customers had really gotten all of the enterprise data into a single database. That's just never actually been possible. Uh, and so, you know, we've been pursuing this sort of fool's errand for, for decades. Uh, it's not too dissimilar to herding cats if you've ever tried to do that. The truth is you need to optimize for decentralized data. You need to optimize for where your data lives. And Comcast has always been one of my favorite examples. They were actually one of our first big enterprise customers. Uh, and they have an incredibly talented team, uh, Saj and Brian and the others. And they, they actually started using Trino to federate queries over eight years ago, uh, before Starburst was even founded, in fact. Uh, and they've been able to solve for much faster access to distributed data, which today lives across Hadoop, Teradata, AWS, Oracle, a number of different systems. And we work with Accenture to help ensure that that data can support their goals to drive personalized entertainment, uh, many of which I'm sure we're, we're consumers of and, and appreciate that personalization. So it's a great story of working with decentralized data. And Comcast actually will be featured on a panel uh, a little bit later today on their journey in particular. The second lie is that the modern data stack is modern. Now, I know there may be some oohs and ahs in the audience on this one, but the reality is this data, uh, this concept of the modern data stack is actually the same exact data stack from decades ago. It's just built for the cloud. And being built for the cloud does not necessarily make something modern just in and of itself, right? In the earlier days, we had Informatica and we had Teradata. Uh, you know, today, maybe we have, you know, Fivetran or Matillion. Uh, and we have Snowflake, right? But it's the same concept of taking data out of your different systems, loading it into one database. Uh, and so the, 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 the stack itself is not necessarily fundamentally different. And it, it assumes that you have to migrate in order to modernize. And you know, we don't think that's true. It also, uh, we also think that data lakes are actually better than data warehouses for a lot of the reasons that I alluded to earlier, which is that data lakes allow you to work with open data formats and really break that vendor lock-in where you're stuck in one proprietary system. So using formats like Iceberg or Hootie or Delta are going to give you uh, a lot more flexibility, a lot more future-proofing for your architecture over many, many years than uh, proprietary data warehouses. So, you know, in summary, this is a movie we've seen before, not unlike the many versions of Fast and the Furious. I'm not even sure how many, how many sequels they've made at this point. But, you know, similar story here uh, with the modern data stack. And we believe that modernization is a process, not necessarily a stack of technologies. And a great example of that is Priceline. Uh, Priceline, we all know Priceline. They offer uh, low-cost uh, um, uh, travel options for you, hotels and flights and so forth. And they've been on a modernization journey, which they refer to as moving towards a data mesh. They launched a major transformation initiative to leverage significant amounts of streaming and historical data sets uh, stored across different cloud and on-prem systems. A large part of their journey is migrating data to Google Cloud in particular, and they needed connectivity to Oracle, uh, to Google Cloud Storage, uh, to Google BigQuery, and, and others. And we've partnered closely with the Google Cloud team to make sure that the Priceline team can make these connections 
uh, and drive their business. In fact, one of their use cases is also around personalization, trying to improve personalization through connecting historical data with newer data. And I think that's probably a use case that many of you uh, resonate with uh, in attendance today. The third lie, you're ready for the AI and ML deep end. Why it's a lie? A model is only good as good as the data it's trained on. And I think a lot of folks, when they're starting to create their AI and machine learning uh, strategy, jump to the end in mind, right? They, they jump to going to try to find you know, brilliant data scientists who know how to train machine learning models uh, and are sort of missing you know, the foundational elements of getting access to the data that you need to ultimately train that model. And you need to set that proper foundation before seeing any return, really, on that more expensive AI ML technology and talent. And so these are you know, important complements, and the foundation needs to come first. Um, <clears throat> there was also a recent uh, report released by uh, Boston Consulting Group about new architectures that allow you to manage not only the exponential costs of data infrastructure and the increasing complexity, uh, but there's also a lot of great findings in the report on this topic of AI, and I found this one to be particularly interesting. Uh, you know, according to a recent survey, only about half of managers believe that their company's AI initiatives create tangible business value. And again, one of those underlying reasons is access to the right data to be able to train those models and create those models in the first place. So let's start with uh, you know, the foundations, which is really the truth here. You know, you're ready to set the foundation. Certainly we can help. And RBC is a great example of this. Uh, with over 16 million customers around the world, uh, RBC is one of the largest banks. And they wanted to build a better foundation to support their own data science efforts. This foundation came in the form of having faster access to more and more up-to-date data to ensure model accuracy and prevent model drift, which is a common problem with uh, machine learning models. The joint solution includes Starburst serving as the data access layer, running on Red Hat OpenShift, and visualizing that data in Tableau. Again, great partnerships where we work together with a number of these other uh, vendors. And on the point of Red Hat in particular, I thought this would be a great opportunity to speak about our partnership with Red Hat. We've been partners for a few years now, uh, and in particular, uh, we support what they call their Red Hat OpenShift data science platform, uh, abbreviated as RODES. Together, we're able to help customers select, deploy, and maintain the technology required to meet their AI and ML goals. Starburst has been an inaugural partner of that Red Hat OpenShift data science platform, and, and it demonstrates our shared view of what it takes to build a strong foundation for your AI and ML practice. You know, back to what I mentioned earlier about how you're ready to build the foundation, uh, we do that together with Red Hat by providing a flexible and open machine learning ops platform that allows data scientists to integrate their tools of choice and build on a strong data foundation to deliver valuable insights from that data. We'll share some links in the chat right now if you're interested in learning more about Rhodes. And you can also explore that integration of Starburst Galaxy and Rhodes in Red Hat's uh, developer sandbox. So you can try this out. The fourth lie, you need to hire people to close the skills gap. Um, certainly hiring talent is important, but there are a number of reasons why this one is a bit of a lie. And what I mean by that is you can't hire or upskill your way to success alone. Uh, becoming data-driven really requires also closing that gap by making simpler self-service solutions. You know, I think the vision for many companies is creating a self-service platform that everyone from you know, a summer intern to the CEO can actually go and utilize and get answers to the business questions that they have. <clears throat> 
This was a, a great slide I saw recently uh, from Gartner uh, articulating all of the different roles that you might need uh, to be a data-driven organization. And the challenge with this, um, while there are a number of great roles here, uh, there are just too many. Uh, and you'd have to hire a small army, I think, to be able to deliver on this. And there's just not enough money to hire all of these people. And that's really where technology can close the gap and reduce the need for specialized skills. And that's really what we uh, have, have been focusing on with a number of our customers. Uh, in this example, Genus is actually an award-winning animal genetic company that helps farmers produce quality animal protein, which is pretty cool. Genus's teams of data scientists and engineers and software developers lead innovation and data analytics that result in animal genetic improvement. And with specialized databases for uh, genetic information, a hybrid and multi-cloud platform, and a spectrum of legacy databases for the various functions of the business, Genus's engineers were burdened with managing many complex ETL pipelines that took weeks to run. So in order to join data across those data sets and speed up data discovery, Genus decided to deploy Starburst Enterprise. We've been able to help them connect data that lives uh, across both S3 and Azure Data Lake and combine that into data products that their data science teams can now easily analyze. And again, one of the benefits of data products is it really hides where the data ultimately lives and um, you know, storage becomes decoupled from the analyst experience. Another good example on this same point is Glovo. Um, many of you in EMEA may know Glovo. Glovo is a Spanish uh, quick commerce and food delivery app that serves over 15 million customers throughout both Europe and Africa. Uh, and to continue to make improvements on the products and services offered through their online marketplace, Glovo deployed Starburst as the analytics engine for their lake stack, uh, working across data in AWS S3 and Delta Lake. They also use DBT to create transformations for Starburst to execute, and Looker connects to Starburst for visualization. This enables technical and non-technical users to query and consume data easily through their preferred visualization tools with data surfaced through Starburst's data products feature. Their self-service approach empowers each of Glovo's business units to make faster and better decisions. You can learn more, more about their story specifically tomorrow when Glovo speaks about their platform in the Data Products for Everyone session, uh, with our own Vishal Singh, who's our product leader for data products. And in my humble opinion, this is a session you definitely do not want to miss. The truth and really what we're trying to do with data products is simplify the connect, the, the complex. Uh, I recently you know, said the other day that you know, this is sort of like HelloFresh for your data. And what I mean by that is HelloFresh does a tremendous job of, of sourcing and bringing together all the ingredients you need to make a fantastic meal and delivers it to your home so that you can look like a Michelin chef, right? Uh, and similarly, that's what data products aims to do for analysts, scientists, and developers by pulling the data that you need together in one curated product that now allows you to do the analysis that you need to do. All right, we're on to the fifth and final lie. Vendor benchmarks measure real-world performance. This is another common uh, lie that we've been telling for a very long time, going all the way back to the original creation of many of the TPC benchmarks, which were incredibly well-intentioned at the time when they were created to really hold database vendors accountable to performance. So a benchmark was naturally established. That makes a lot of sense. The issues with it are that query speed doesn't necessarily equal performance. We're really just measuring one small component of the overall performance of what you're trying to do. Total cost of ownership also matters, right? 
If you can be infinitely fast but infinitely expensive, that probably isn't solving your problem. And pristine lab conditions don't reflect real-world performance. You know, it's like taking a uh, race car on a track by yourself and clocking the best possible time and then trying to do that again in an actual uh, race with competition and obstacles and all of the uh, extra events that take place. And in the world of benchmarks, uh, many benchmarks uh, make extensive use of caching uh, to make their, uh, make their results look better. And you can't obviously cache everything uh, in your universe, right? It would be too expensive and impractical, right? And so these benchmarks very often sort of cheat and, and don't give you real world uh, you know, uh, performance. Gartner certainly uh, agrees with us on this one, and uh, you know, Merv Adrian, one of my favorite analysts, wrote a, a, great, a great report recently about six reasons to ignore vendor uh, benchmarks. And you know, I think the, the key here is really do your own benchmarking. That's going to simulate your, your you know, most realistic uh, environment. Uh, and that performance is multidimensional. You want to measure time to insight holistically using your own workloads. And that's the key. Again, a, a real world scenario is going to have many different types of queries running concurrently, long running queries, short running queries. You really want to simulate uh, a real world environment. A great example of that is DoorDash. Of course, we probably all know DoorDash, uh, one of the largest delivery services of, of food. I'm a frequent customer myself. Uh, and they serve millions of consumers, connecting them to hundreds of thousands of merchants. Their use cases vary from gathering data to power machine learning models to enabling their flagship social impact program, Project Dash. Getting data to their teams as fast as possible is critical to providing a great user experience and ensuring the success of their many initiatives. And like many companies, DoorDash uses a leading cloud data warehouse, as well as a very large data lake in AWS S3, and moving data from the warehouse to the lake house they were able to get better performance and ultimately save money on compute at the same time. A second example is Assurance. Assurance is a part of Prudential Insurance, uh, and we helped Assurance cut the time to Insight down from months to weeks, and in some cases, from weeks to days. Uh, for Shen Wang and his team, low priority requests for analytics went from delivering results in months to now days, and the more urgent requests could now be turned around in a day or two, as they could get to their answers without necessarily having to create custom ETL pipelines. In this case, we worked within uh, their architecture that features AWS, Databricks, and Tableau to deliver uh, faster insights into their existing analytics environment. So to summarize uh, the five data lies and the five data truths. The lie, number one, uh, you need to centralize your data. The truth is you need to optimize for decentralized data and really create an, an architecture that allows you to query the data where it lives uh, and have that optionality to decide if you're going to move it. Movement becomes optional. The second lie, the modern data stack is modern. Modernization is a process, not a stack. Number three, you're ready for the AI and ML deep end. You're ready to set the foundation for AI and ML, and the key piece to that is getting access to the right data to train those models. Number four, you need to hire to close the skills gap. The truth is you can reduce the need for specialized skills. And line number five, that vendor benchmarks measure real-world performance when the truth is that performance is multidimensional and you really need to test things for yourself. With that, I'll close with a great quote by Winston Churchill, a lie gets halfway around the world before the truth has a chance to get its pants on. And ultimately what we're trying to do is shed more light 
on uh, the truths and deliver you know, the fastest possible insights for our customers. So ask yourself, is this the truth as you're evaluating these lies as they, as they come to you? Thank you.